There's very little better than waking up in the morning to a truly fantastic cup of coffee. And if you're like me, you're looking for something that tastes fresh and isn't weak or overproduced. That's why I've switched to Four Sigmatic and I won't go back. Four Sigmatic mixes their beans with mushrooms to give your brain that jumpstart you didn't know you needed. So go to the link in my show notes or on my podcast page and use the code CHOOSEYOURSTRUGGLE at checkout for 10% off. You can sign up for one of their awesome subscriptions or just try buying a bag. And with their 100% money back guarantee, there's no downside. So check them out today and don't forget the code CHOOSEYOURSTRUGGLE. I'm going to just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Before we begin episode 40, I want to briefly pause and remember the life of Walter Wallace Jr. Before you you know, get onto some trip about, oh, he wasn't no angel or whatever it is people always say about this stuff. That's not the point. The point is, Walter Wallace Jr. was a man in Philadelphia who had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. In fact, a quote from his mom that really stuck with me in these articles that I've read and the interview that I watched of her was she said, the same officers had been to their house multiple times and they didn't know what to do with Walter because he was having, in these different moments, struggles with his mental health. And at one, one point, she said they, they openly laughed at him with his way he was acting. Then they came back this fourth time, apparently, and despite the fact that he was not menacing them, but because he was holding a knife, they executed him in front of his family. This one is personal for me. Obviously, obviously, there is race involved. Walter Wallace Jr. was a black man. He was also a person with diagnosed bipolar, which, as those of you know about my story, that was my diagnosis. Again, wrongfully diagnosed, but it doesn't matter. That was my diagnosis. And when I was at my worst of struggling with substance misuse and you know, as I've always said, the 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 drugs were the fuel on the fire of what was already going on inside my head. So the anxiety I felt, the depression, things were happening in my head that I couldn't control thanks to all this all these chemicals. This could have been me. You know, and before you say, Well, yes, but you're a white man, that is also true. But remember that part of my story where my friends did call nine one one when I overdosed and I got thrown in the backseat of a cop car. I am lucky that when they found me, when this cop came to my door, I was, <laughs> I mean, I didn't really have much of a choice then. I was going through the early stages of overdose. But I could have been Walter Wallace Jr. if I had been going through a manic episode instead of close to comatose. <sighs> Our system gives you two choices. If you have a family member struggling with mental health, you either take care of it yourself or you call 911 and take a risk that borders on probable and for in many places, especially in the black community, that you will watch your family member struggling with their mental health executed in front of your very eyes. 
We need to make a change. Now, welcome to episode 40. This is a very, <laughs> not a somber episode. This is a wonderful episode. I, um, I'm feeling somber because of this incident. But this is a wonderful episode. Before we begin, before I get into the, the specifics of this episode, I want to do a quick shout out to a friend of the podcast, Brianna Naylor. You have all heard her. She was on the episode before, uh, earlier in the season. She is a wonderful baker, and she recently uh, sent my wife and I some cookies. I paid her. This is not a, <laughs> not a nonprofit. But Brianna is an incredible baker. So thank you to Brianna. All right. So to the episode. <laughs> The interview is Michelle Quay, who is wonderful. Um, you know what? I'm actually not going to spend a lot of time introducing either the, the shout-out or the interview because both did a really, truly wonderful job of, do, of, of doing that themselves when we chatted. Michelle has a, just an incredible story. I, I reached out to her when I, when I learned about her story, and she did not disappoint. I'll, I'll talk more about the experience of chatting with Michelle at the end of the episode. I've got that plan. The shout-out is from a voice you should all recognize uh, from Card Reading. <laughs> it's my dad, Steve Shipman. And my dad also does a great job of introducing himself, so I won't go into who he is. But I wanted to play this interview, and, and, and I did so because I want you all to, to learn more about where I come from. I've got a lot of feedback this season through the podcast survey, through people reaching out. And by the way, that, that contest is still going. So keep doing the survey in the show notes or on my website and keep leaving reviews again in the show notes or on the website for, for a prize drawing of the merch. A lot of merch going out the doors this week. Also, that's been wonderful. But I wanted to play this interview and, and, and show you all more about sort of who I am because that's been some feedback is that people love the interviews, people love the shout outs, they want to know more about me, which is very kind. Thank you. So this is towards that. This was recorded when I was in Cincinnati visiting my family about a month and a half ago. And uh, I sat down with my dad. I, I, we each had a microphone and I just let it play. So this is, it's a little bit longer than your typical shout out, but it's a good, it's a good chat. All right, um, I'm going to leave it there. Keep reaching out, keep filling out the survey, keep leaving reviews. Uh, if you want merch, it's there's a picture on the website, it's a picture on social media. Again, thank you to everyone who's already bought it. The demand for it has been overwhelming. Uh, I'll say that. I actually am already worried that I didn't order enough, which is really cool. I, I was not expecting that. So thank you to everybody who ordered merch. Keep doing that. All right, enjoy this episode. I'll see you at the end. My name is Steve Schiffman. I happen to be Jay Schiffman's father <laughs> and the father to his three brothers and the husband to his wonderful mother, Julie. And professionally, I'm the CEO of a company called Michaelman. We are a third generation, privately owned, family owned manufacturer of specialty chemicals for industrial applications. We make specialty chemicals that are sustainable and I believe that companies like ours that focus on the triple bottom line of people, planet, and profit actually have an ability to change the world for good. Our business is purpose-driven. Our purpose is to innovate a sustainable future. We're very much a values-based business. We're very clear about the values of our company. 
And I didn't make any of that up. What I have been able to do with my team throughout my tenure is actually give language and vocabulary to it. So our business always has cared deeply about the people in our business. We've always cared deeply about our customers and suppliers. What I think I've done differently is then tie that into the communities that we serve. Well, our, our values are in our integrity, respect, success, which I think you would probably argue that most great businesses have those values, but our differentiating values are curiosity, collaboration, and giving. And giving is an unusual corporate value. You rarely see companies state a value of giving uh, as one of the, their foundational values. And, and we think about giving in a couple of different ways. First, it's the internal giving, coaching, teaching, mentoring, helping our associates to do their very best job and create the kind of careers and lives they're looking for. But then we also work very hard in the communities that we serve all over the world. That's a really important part of who we are. We believe that we have a responsibility and actually we've earned the right as well to help our communities to be better places. If we're going to be investing in building businesses, we want to do it in places where people have an opportunity to bring their entire selves to work, where people can read and write, they can be safe, they can have a good education, uh, they can get the kind of health care that they need, those kinds of things. So in our company, we put an awful lot of emphasis on that. And as you always tell us, it's not just you. This is not just a leadership thing. You like to say that if you wake up someone at your in the office at two in the morning, they can recite those values too. Yeah. You know, almost every company you visit, we travel a lot. Our customers are all over the world. And for those of us who travel and visit other businesses, it's not uncommon to walk into either the lobby or to a boardroom and see on some beautiful marble plaque, these are our company values. But in my experience, then when you walk onto the shop floor, you walk around the business and you talk to people about the values, you oftentimes get that deer in the headlights look because it's something that the leaders have talked about, but it's not embedded in the business. And I think what, what makes us unique, we're certainly not alone because there are a lot of fine businesses out there, but, but what makes us unique and why I think businesses like ours can change the world is because we make it part of what we talk about and live every single day. Those values are important when we think about hiring, when we think about helping our people create careers, they're important to us. When we think about business partners, sometimes they're important when we have to part ways with somebody who doesn't necessarily live those values. So yeah, it's not about me. Um, it's about me to the extent that I make sure that I talk it and talk it and talk it and write it and write it and write it and don't let an opportunity go by to talk about it. But then it's so so deeply embedded in our organizational culture that my other leaders and then our associates, I go visit our team in Singapore and the first thing they want to talk about is stuff that they're doing as it relates to the values, for example. So yeah, it, it's got to be led by the leader, but I can't stop with the leader. So let's – that what you just finished on, let's go from there because obviously this is a mental health podcast. So a lot of this is – the way I want to pull this back in is how do you ensure that allowing your incredible employees to be themselves at work is a piece of that? Because as you know, many millennials, as they say, we don't we don't leave jobs. We leave you know environments. We leave our, our bosses. So how, how do you foster that, that welcoming at work? Yeah, that's really the most important question, I would say. You know, it's an easy thing to talk about and it's harder to do. But um, a couple of things that are sort of always on my mind. I have a CEO coach who I work with. And once I was talking about this and I, I talked with him about allowing our associates to bring their whole selves to work. And he stopped me and he says, I think that's the wrong word. He says, it's not allow, it's demand. 
we really need to make sure that we recognize that people don't all of a sudden wake up in the morning and then I'm going to go put on my work self for the next eight hours and I'm going to take my work self off and go home and be my real self. In the world that we're living in today, which is this 24-7 world where people oftentimes work virtually and they come to work, they leave to go to their kid's soccer game, whatever. People are people, you know, and uh, we want to try and make sure that we're really recognizing the entire human being and, and we don't want them to be something that, that they're not when they come to work. Um, you know, it's been really, really interesting during this pandemic because um, we're in the middle of this massive societal experiment that nobody signed up for. And I know a lot of people my age, my cohort were concerned that people couldn't do their jobs remotely or they'd slack off or whatever. And that never bothered me because I was sure, and it's been proven by the way, I was sure that our people would be as productive, if not more productive when they were working virtually. That's not the issue. So to your point about mental health, um, our issue was people weren't turning off. And um, I think, well, on one hand, I'm thrilled that they are so engaged with their work. That's really important that they find their work important. But we have to like regularly encourage people to like turn off their computer and stop working for a while, go for a walk, hang out with their kids, go be part of the family, go, go do something. Right. The most important thing is to, is to recognize it, to talk about it, to know this is a pandemic, that know that, that this idea of people not feeling well in the workplace is kind of an epidemic. And, and, you know, I, I it's a hackneyed metaphor, but I think about the mar marathon versus a sprint miracle metaphor we work awfully hard to find good associates and I want them for the long term. And if we burn them out in the short term, then we don't have them for the long term. And if we really recognize that they're whole people and if we believe in the values that I talked about, we believe that we're a people first business, then the most important thing is to make sure that our associates are safe, they're healthy, they're gainfully employed, and then we're going to have tomorrow. How... I don't want to, as you said it, because I don't want to say that this is rare, but as you said it, what makes Michaelman unique is a lot of this. How do we make this less unique? Well, so that's something I wrestle with every single day because, you know, oftentimes people will say to me, gosh, it's so great you guys do this. And and I'm oftentimes shocked because it just seems so natural to me. And look, I, I as you said earlier, I didn't invent a lot of this stuff. I was fortunate enough to take over the leadership of a business that was already very healthy and a business that really cared deeply about the people since its foundings. And I recognize that the world's changing and we had to continue to modify the business to be more adaptive to the world that we're living in today. And, and we had to be more maybe prescriptive about all this kind of stuff. It all starts for me. Well, there, there's, there's a few things to think about. First of all, in our business, we're clear about our purpose. We know why we exist. We're, we're in business to innovate a sustainable future. And future is very important to us. It means we're going to have a future. We're building a business for the decades to come. We're 71 years old and we're building it for at least the next 71 years. And we also talk a lot about building our business for the triple bottom line. You know, the bottom line of, of profit is every business needs, I guess, to make a profit. That's very important. We know we need to make money to stay in business. But our, our bottom line is a people bottom line, a planet bottom line, and, and then the profit bottom line. And all three of those have to be in balance. And so since we're building the business for the future, since we're all about the triple bottom line, we can make decisions that are holistic in nature, right? The pandemic set out and we made a commitment. Our, our shareholders, our, our partners in the business and our leaders made the commitment that the first priority during the pandemic was the safety, well-being and, and employment of our associates. 
And since we're privately held, and since we have a long-term view, then we didn't need to do stupid things in the short term to make some number. You know, if we were a public business, I'd have some Goldman Sachs analysts to tell me I was stupid. If we were a private equity-backed business that was just trying to create EBITDA so that we could flip the business in three to five years, we might have to make different decisions. But since our uh, profile is that we're building this business for the generations to come, we can be patient, we can make good long-term decisions, and we can make our decisions based upon our priorities, which start with the purpose and start then with the values of our business. I know you don't do social media, but who are you following? Who are you reading? Who are you listening to that we should all be doing? Yeah, I spend an awful lot of time reading and listening. I'm, um, I'm an inveterate podcast listener, and I read a ton, and I've got broad interests and hobbies, some of them about the topics we were just talking about, some are just personal. I... Um, I have a I have my own mindfulness practice that I've had for a long time, and so I read a lot and follow a lot of people who who you know I, I love the Dan Harris Ten Percent Happier podcast. I'm a huge fan of Sam Harris, uh, Sam Harris the philosopher and the thinker, and so I listen to his podcast, his Making Sense podcast. Um, you know, so I, I listen to things like that. Um, I I read. Um, whether it's current events, I read the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, I read the Atlantic every every month. Um, and um, on, I don't, I don't really follow social media. I find I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, oh, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. everybody. I'm Michelle Kui. I'm a confidence and leadership coach. And my area of specialty is that negative self-talk. <laughs> and I think that is the quickest version that I can give you who I am. I'm a negative self-talk expert. So I work with negative self-talkers to get them to believe the talents that they have in both personal and professional life. Um, I have a company called Elevate Life Coaching. And I started the company as a result of a lifetime journey. So, yep, I'm really happy and excited to be here. Well, that negative self-talk is huge. Uh, this being a mental health, partly podcast, that's a thing I talk about all the time. In fact, you know, this won't come out for a while, but this week's episode, I finished by talking about that exact topic. So good timing. So you said this is a result of a lifelong journey. Let's, let's go right into that lifelong journey. So it started when I was 11 years old. So every, every single day, this is a journey that every one of us experience. We all take a lot of things for granted. We get up in the morning, we go to the bathroom, we do our routine, we put on our shoes and we're ready to go out and rock the world, right? So the minute that you put on your shoes, whether you realize it or not, you are actually stepping into a really important role in your life. Who do you wanna be when you're in that pair of shoes? And so my journey began when I was 11 years old, just like everyone else. You know, I woke up in the morning and putting out my shoes. I wanted to go out and go to school. But little did I know that that was the day that was 
um, that I didn't have to put on my shoes anymore for a very long period of time. That day, um, when I was coming off from school, I had a little car accident. And as a result of that car accident, I am now permanently disabled. I walk with crutches and all my life I've dealt with um, not being able to walk normally. I don't look normally. I am probably the same height as I was when I was nine years old. I'm only four feet, four inches tall. And my legs are disfigured because of all the pressure and all the incorrect posture that I was putting on myself. So um, instead of uh, alleviate, to alleviate a lot of pain that I was experiencing for my back, I decided I started to use the crutches. So for a long period of time, I was walking with crutches and wearing leg brace. Um, to help me to support me um, from leg being this bigger. But, you know, of course, being a teenager, I wanted to look pretty. I wanted to look normal. So I decided to took away my bra uh, metal brace because I want to look normal. And that created a permanent damage. And now I can't walk without crutches. Um, so that's my early, for the early 40s years of my life, that's what I had to deal with. One day I was waking up in the morning and I said, you know what, enough of this shit. <laughs> enough of this life. I don't want to keep feeling sorry about myself, keeping, keeping myself playing small. So I decided to do something really brave, which, um, you know, many of us actually have this bucket list of things to do that we want to do in our life, but we never got to it. Oh, there's always tomorrow. And it's that same pair of shoes that we've been putting out, right? Because we take things for granted. There is always a tomorrow that we can go to. But if you don't do it today, you'll never get to it. So I had a bucket list of things to do. And one of the, one of the items on my bucket list is that I want to be able to travel to, to see the seven wonders of the world. So I've been to China. I climbed the Great Wall. I've been to um, uh, Angkor Wat in Cambodia. To, I went up to the, to the temple to see how it was structured. And one of the biggest things for my journey is that I decided to book myself a ticket to go and hike 26 miles through the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu wow. with my two crutches. <laughs> so that was probably the most transformative things that I have ever done in my life, just to being able to step out of my comfort zone and finally recognizing that, you know, our mind is really playing a lot of trick on us because it's, it doesn't, it, it will believe whatever that we want it to believe, right? So if we keep on having a lot of that negative self-talk, we're going to start to believe that you don't, you, you can't do, you can't do this. You can never start a business. You can never be somebody. You can never be successful in your life because you keep feeding yourself that idea of you are not enough. But on the other hand, we can actually do that positive self-affirmation. We can change our perspective so that our mind to start to believe something that is true, something that is actually authentic. And this is one of the, one of, the uh, one of my three values that I have in life. So I call these values as my ABC. So my A is authenticity, B is bravery, and C is connection. These are the three most important values that we we can hold in our life, especially when it comes to overcoming adversity, overcoming any challenges or overcoming that negativity that we have in our life. What is authenticity? Authenticity is basically you recognizing who you are for and honoring yourself for who you are. You may wake up and feeling like shit and you don't, do, you don't feel like you're going out there to, to embark a new journey. You 
being authentic means that you are going to honor that time that you are negative and you're going to sleep in bed and cover yourself up, which is completely okay. But what your attitude towards what is to happen next, that will determine your outcome. But, you know, authenticity means that you being true to yourself and you really honing in on, on everything that you believe is true, everything that is the best version of what you can do in that moment of time. And then you have the bravery. Bravery is really the connection between being authentic and being able to connect with the rest of the world. Without the bravery, we won't be able to connect who we are to connect with the rest of the world. We would always feel disconnected to the rest of the world. And whether it's our work relationship, whether it's our intimate relationship, it's, a, it's a crucial to have that bravery and to show up being who you are in relation to others. And lastly, it would be the connection, right? What kind of connection, what kind of impact are you making today by being who you are, being brave in doing what you need to do, and how do you connect it and build relationship with others? So those are the three things that I've learned um, coming back from that Machu, that life transformational um, journey from Machu Picchu. These are my inspiration. And that was something that I realized when I came down um, from Machu Picchu. I said, you know, Michelle, you're, you're disabled. There's only so much that you can do. You can't walk too far. You can't you can run. What can you do? And when I start having that idea of what can I do, I start to really looking inward in terms of all my virtual, all my characteristic, all the things that attributes that I can bring out and share with the rest of the world. And the idea of being the inspiration for others came to my head. And I said, Oh, okay, so how do I how can I have the impact in, in bringing that inspiration to other and, and it goes back to that being authentic, I need to share, you know, who I am with the rest of the world and hopefully someone in the audience will be inspired and think about the change that they want to make in their life and wanting to move forward. So that is basically my, my journey. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into how you've used that, there's a lot to unpack in there. So let's go, let's go back first to, you said you were 11 when this, when you had your, your accent. Yes. So, so help me and, and the listeners understand who was Michelle at 11? Because 11 is a formative time for, for everyone, you know, my listeners know that's when I was first diagnosed with ADHD, which ended up leading me to being uh, almost 10 years later, uh, struggling with addiction. And, and I talk a lot about how, you know, that period, we all remember puberty. It, it ain't fun. You had a life changing experience that completely altered who you were at that age. Mm -hmm. So who were you before the accident and, and, and who did you become during and at, like right after this period? Mm -hmm. So who was I? I was really brave. I was this courageous person. I was not, I never had any stage fright. So I can be standing on the, on the stage and start talking and giving, delivering a speech. So I started speaking really early on when I was in the second grade. Um, and during the second grade, I remember there's audience, I have like 50, 40 people in my audience and speaking to the rest of the class, I was up there, and I was always a performer, I love the idea of being, being up there, being seen, being heard, and I was always a leader, 
I always lead in my group. So I'm, there's friends who look after me, they're looking for instruction, they're, they're looking for someone who have that leadership skill. So that's who I, who I was and that is who I am. So there's still, uh, clearly, there's still a lot of that in you. I, I, I guess what, 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 I'm, so what I'm trying to, 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 I don't know how to phrase this question, but, but, but you, you are still that person. So that part of you didn't go anywhere, but yet you had this incredibly uh, life-altering experience at an age when we all grow and change as people. So what was that experience like for you and, and, and how long did it take you to sort of get up off the mat? So any, any life experience that we, we go through, it will shape us. And this is something that I was actually just have a conversation with my clients about, about that life experience. What changed you was an experience. And what changed me was the accident, right? So after the accident, it didn't change for who I am authentically. I, I am still Michelle. I am still that little girl who's really brave, who's, who's, um, who's not afraid of being seen and heard. What changed was a life experience. It, it didn't change me. So I am still a whole. I am still who I am. But it is the life experience that changed how I, what I believe who I am. And, and when it comes to belief, but our belief is based on the experience that we have. So if it's something traumatic, something negative, you started to believe that you are, you identify yourself with that experience. You believe that you are that experience. So I, I started to believe that I am this person who is never going to be able to walk, who's never going to be able to look normal like everybody else. I started to believe that because of this accident, I need to be careful. I can't go to the gym. I don't want to fall because it might break me. Um, I felt I was broken the whole entire time because of this accident. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. And that was the belief that came out of that, that, that car accident. The fact that I am me, you know, whether it's 11, 8, 5, 40, 45, that me still hasn't changed. I am still a whole. And this is the idea that I want to share with all the audience. You are perfectly where you need to be. You are perfectly who you are, but your life experience will change and your life experience will change the belief that you have. So what is wrong is not you. You, there's nothing wrong with you. What is wrong is the idea or the belief that we start to allow ourselves believing in. So, y yes. So to get there, I assume you went, you went to, to college and had other jobs and then sort of had this awakening at 40. What was that like in between? Like what, what led up to this moment? It, it was like living in a shithole. <laughs> this is this is what it felt like. It felt like living in a shithole. There there are times where I wake up and and I don't I don't feel like there's a purpose in life. Um, especially when you start going into dating, when you start looking for relationship and building that relationship. When I was in college, I wanted to, you know, go out every Thursday with my friends and have party. I, I, I went to a party school. So every Thursday night, we had this uh, party night and everyone would gather and we were having fun, dancing, right? And, and that's the time when we start 
exploring the opposite sex. We wanted to explore that dating world. But once I start really go into that dating world, I realize how I am so insecure about how I look. I was really insecure about the body image that I have. I felt really ashamed of the body that I have. I look into the mirror. There's no one around me look like me. My legs are crooked. I have scars all over my legs. It was a symbol of shame. It was not a symbol of overcoming adversity. It was a symbol of shame. How could I possibly love myself? Or how could possibly anyone can love this body or, or feel that they are, you know, to have that, that affection of me? Because we, this is a culture that's face it. Everything is based on the first impression. If a guy sees you, if I see someone, I want to look at that physical beauty that you have. I want to admire that. How can anyone possibly admire this body? So I was going through a lot of shame and just feeling guilty about feeling shame. And it was just that vicious cycle of feeling shame, unmotivated, uninspired, depressed. And um, at my very last uh, straw was, um, I was seeing this guy and he was really well-established. He's a lawyer in one of the firm here in downtown LA. And we went out a couple of days. And the second day he said, you know, you're really smart. You're really great, but that's just be friend. And it was just repeatedly, I get rejection. I get people validating that feeling of shame and guilt and, and just not pretty, not being beautiful. So I, I came home that night and I remember I had that idea of, you know what, this is not the life I want to live. So I remember there's a, I, I, I was to the point where I pick up the razor and I was about to cut. What stopped me from, from cutting was the fact that when I look at my parents, they believe I, I, I kept hiding all my emotions away from them. They have that idea of, you know, Michelle is this optimistic girl. She's always smiling, you know, regardless of the car accident. She's always has that positivity about her. She never experienced any of the negativity, which is not true. Anyone who's putting up that, that laughing all the time, that positivity, that very person had a really big struggle that they had to go through, they had to experience. And I didn't want to let my parents, I didn't want to let them down. I don't want to disappoint them. So I put my razor down and I asked myself, you're not gonna kill yourself right now. So what do you wanna do with your life? Like you, you get to choose, right? I only have two options. I can kill myself and just be done with it. Or I can put that razor down and think about what is it that I want to do with the rest of my life? So I chose, I chose to put, put the razor down and I'm gonna do something about my life. And that idea of wanting to do something, I start to listen to podcasts. I start reading books. I was doing a lot of self-help development. I went to lectures, listening to seminars. I did all these things because I was searching for the answer to, to explain what I was going through and also to just to make me feel I am a whole again. Well, that's a very powerful story. And uh, I'm, I'm 
it's it's amazing that you in that moment were able to have that moment of clarity you know unfortunately a lot of people don't so props to you for for empower feeling empowered in that way and turning a, a really horrible experience into something awesome let's let's keep on that path real quick though because this is you know a lot of what i talk about in this podcast as a uh, couple of times suicide attempt survivor there are a lot of people in that moment that you have that go the other direction and as you so perfectly described you know you were always just the, the smiley person never thought to be feel whatever that's the same things that is said about the people who who don't make it so was it hard for you after that moment to sort of reach out to, to those people in your life and say you know here's where i am Yes. So it was really, it was really a strange idea that, hey, you know, I don't have to put up this face or the smiley face or being positive all the time. It was the first time in my life I recognized, I started to realize that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to reach out to people. And the first person, the first thing that I reached out to was I was um, in the process of writing a blog. It was during the time when internet started to, you know, really develop and flying off. And I, I actually learned how to build a website. So I built my own first website and I started to journal. I started writing blog. I was blogging a lot of my emotion, a lot of that raw um, feeling that I have, whether it's sad. And sometimes I would just sit in the dark as I, as I was typing words onto my blog, I was just crying. And it was my first emotional outlet. It was that journal, it was that blogging. And then I started to realize that, hey, you know, this is something very serious. I, I would be crying for no fucking reason. <laughs> and so I decided, you know, maybe I need to look for professional help. And I didn't want my parents to know. And it was something that, you know, in a, in a, I'm Chinese. So in a Chinese culture, so if for someone to really um, admit to themselves that I'm seeing a psychologist, you know, I'm seeing a psychiatrist, it's not, it's unspeakable. It's, a, it's something that you, know, you, you don't want people to know, especially within the family. So I didn't want my parents to know that. So I actually reach out to one of those uh, hotline. I send them an email. I reach out to people and seeking for counseling. I got a couple of emails back. And then, you know, slowly, it didn't just happen overnight. Slowly, I realized, you know, what really worked for me is writing. I was journaling a lot. I was letting my emotion out and I don't care who was seeing it. I don't care who was watching it. And that was a good thing about having internet. You don't know who's, who's on the other side, who's reading it. And it turns out I started to gain a lot of audience and I started gaining people who can sit and resonate with that feeling of, you know, I am hurt. I, I don't feel, I feel very broken. And I have these ideas, suicidal ideas and I need help. And, and one of the things that, the biggest lesson I, I have learned is that I, you can never do this alone. You need help. And I need I needed help. Um, I needed help by talking to someone, getting to support group, relating to others who's feeling the same way, and, and really get an understanding of what is it that I am going through and how can I relate that? How can I use that? How can I make sense of it? It was strange to me to actually be vulnerable and start sharing all that emotion with people. It was not easy. Well, that's uh, 
really well put and that's something that i talk about a lot on this podcast but before we continue if someone is hearing this and it's really resonating with them and they want to reach out tell my listeners where they can find you and shout out anything you want you can find me on my website at elevatelifecoaching.org or you can follow me on instagram at elevatelifecoach So it looks like we're going to be hanging out inside for at least a little while longer. And with the colder months coming up fast, there's never been a more perfect time to stock up on all your comfy clothes. Lucky for you, you listen to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, and I have a sweet deal for you today. Check out my sponsor, Pair of Thieves. They've got everything you need, from shorts to lounge pants to underwear and bras. They even have a line of Disney socks with all your favorite characters on it. But here's the best part. If you use the link in the show notes or on my podcast website and the discount code RakutenThieves, don't worry, that's in the show notes too, you'll get 20% off every full price item in your shopping cart. So stock up on all your comfy clothes today and help out the podcast in the process. And just send me a DM. You know, I'm happy to call talk. <laughs> I think that's so it, thank you for saying that. And I say that in every episode, you know, as I always say, listeners, you know, you don't have to sit in silence. You don't have to struggle alone. There are people who are here. Michelle is literally telling you, reach out, send me a DM. She wants to hear from you, but you know, make sure they're respectful. So now we're, we're up to the point where you are really feeling more empowered about this so you you said this you know switch really flipped at 40 but what made you go i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this full time i'm gonna help others when you are in literally in the bottom of the shithole when you have nowhere else to go and you realize that you know you don't want to spend the rest of the time in this shithole because it smells it stinks right you feel unmotivated you realize that you don't want to be there anymore and, and at some point in our life, we all get to that point. And, and some, of the, some of the clients who reach out to me and they're not ready yet. And the reason why I know they're not ready yet is because they haven't really reached to the bottom of that shithole. They don't realize that how, how stinky that place <laughs> may be, that darkness, that you're just waking up and not loving your life. And, and they are not ready yet. And when you are ready, there's nothing that can stop you from being that ready. And, and I wouldn't say my readiness was, a, was epiphany. It was more of a realization. It was a realization, a self-realization that, you know, I can't change my circumstances. My body is going to be the same way for the rest of my year. I started to accept, and, and this is something that I keep sharing over and over is that self-acceptance and just accepting your reality is really your first step in opening up your door to the future because we can be sitting in our life and we keep wandering and fighting for what isn't what is not versus accepting what is what is is i have this condition i have this disability what is, is I, I am physically limited. There's no question, no doubt about that. But what is not is I have this tremendous amount of talent. 
I'm good with drawing, I'm good with singing, I'm good with speaking, which hasn't changed for the last 40 years, 46 years of my life. It hasn't changed a bit. And, and what isn't is I am not just this body. We're all not just this body. What you're looking at in the mirror is just a vehicle of how we play out in this world. We have that higher consciousness. We're all higher um, thinking. We have that spirit. We have that soul that people talk about. We have that level of idea and thinking mind that will keep us moving forward in our life. So once you start recognizing you are not just your body, you start to look at what can I do with my limitation? What is possible for me? What is my limitation? Can I accept my limitation? And that's what I did. I started to accept, accept my limitation rather than fight, fighting for, you know, wanted, trying to be somebody and trying to compare myself to these beautiful women that you see on Instagram. Does it make it harder being in LA? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> look around, everyone is Hollywood figure. <laughs> yeah, that seems like that would be very, very difficult. So, you know, now you're in a point where you are sort of, of, of having these realizations, which is awesome. I mean, you know, a lot of people do have these, the lucky people have these realizations, some unfortunately later in life. Talk a little bit about what you do offer clients, you know, and sort of if someone wants to work with, uh, work with you on this, you know, what does that look like? So I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and a lot of, you know, how I coach is really coming in from the inside outward approach. So, so we do inside out approach um, that there's a great online assessment it's called energy leadership assessment and this energy leadership it, energy is not the woo -woo stuff that we, <laughs> we understand right it's not woo -woo. energy is how we relate to each other and also how we connect within ourselves you know you wake up in the morning and you don't you feel crap you feel like crap and that's when you have low en energy or you have that negative energy there's also that positive energy how we can bring out and positive energy is it's very contagious. So every one of us are drawn to that positive energy. But the idea is we fluctuate between this positive energy and negative energy. And depending on the energy that you have in your life, you may see yourself as a leader or you may see yourself as not a leader. But the idea is after taking that assessment, you will have a different understanding and different perspective of understanding you as the leader, you have actually seven different way of how you look at life. You can have the negative energy, which is very catabolic. It's where you get really drained and feeling drained all the time, unmotivated, you feel overwhelmed, anxiety, depression, all that negative energy. But you also have these positive energy, which is compassion, opportunity, entrepreneurial minded. You also have that wisdom energy that's all available to you. So what's good about the energy leadership is actually you get, you take the assessment, you have a breakdown of where you are most of the time. So it gives you an idea of how you're playing out in your life as, the, as, a, as a data. So it's actually a research-based data. So after that assessment, then we'll decide, you know, how, how that structure would be. So people ask me, do you have homework? Um, I only have homework that is tailored for you. So depending on where you want to take me, if it's a career homework, then depending appropriately 
after our, our session whether you do need a homework or not. So I don't have a fixed agenda because I don't believe life is a one size fits all. So, you know, again, before we go into all the closing questions, this is very cool. Tell all my listeners where they can find you. You can find me at elevatelifecoaching.org. Wonderful. Um, well, I always ask the same two questions to finish each conversation. So number one, uh, you know, we talk about issues of mental health a lot. And, and, you know, right now during this pandemic, we all need new ways to take care of ourselves. So what self-care habits work for you? One biggest thing is meditation. So I, I meditate. So the first thing I get up in the morning, I, before I even jump out, jump out of bed, I spend like five minutes just think about, and this is something that's very important, is to set your intention. What does, it mean, what does it mean to set your intention? Your intention, it's not a goal. It's not a mile marker that you are trying to reach. You know, everyone can be making seven figure in one day. That's, you know, you, there's a lot of program out there that talk about that. <laughs> anyone can do that. But your intention has to do with what experience would you like to experience for that day? Do you want to experience your life with love, joy, happiness, abundance? How would you like to experience your, your life for that particular day? So set your intention. That's the first thing I do. Set my intention for that particular day. And then I get up and, and throughout the day, I take five minutes um, centering session, even before I go on to the next meeting, before I jump on to another Zoom, which a lot of people are experiencing right now, they get Zoom out, right? So before you jump on to the next Zoom meeting, take five minutes, do a little quick reading exercise and just center yourself. What do I want to experience out of this meeting? Do I want to experience peace, calm, love, whatever it is, you know, center yourself for that five minutes and you'll be more productive throughout your day. So meditation is really something that I go to all the time. Wonderfully put. Uh, and I definitely, I advocate that a lot too, whether it's just um, morning affirmations or, 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 you know, taking moments for yourself to come back in the center and make sure you're not carrying baggage from earlier into whatever you're doing next. It's, mm -hmm. I, I definitely second that. All right. Finally, We've spent uh, you know, our time today talking about all the awesome work you're doing and telling my listeners where they can find you. But who are some people that you follow, that you read, that you're listening to, whatever the case is, that you, should, that you want to shout out that we can go check out? So definitely the person that comes to my mind is Joe Vitale. Joe Vitale, he has this book. It's called Zero Limit. I highly recommend that book. And and he has this course about uh, Ho'oponopono meditation practice. And that meditation practice has to do with forgiveness. And forgiveness goes back to that self-acceptance, right? What do we need to forgive? It's not the person who's shouting at you or, or speaking really ill at you. It's you, you need to forgive yourself. What do we need to forgive ourselves? Giving ourselves more compassion, showing ourselves that loving kindness that you we freely give to other people. Don't criticize yourself for all the things that you are experiencing. You know whether it's a it's a mental health issue, whether it's a physical condition. It's practice. It's totally normal to feel this way because this is what we're dealing with. So forgive yourself for having these emotional feelings about yourself and. And it's a great book. I really highly recommend it. Zero Limit, Joe Vitale. Well, we'll definitely check that out. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been a really fascinating conversation. I know that my listeners are going to take a lot out of it. 
Good. Thank you for having me. Are you ready to take your hemp experience to a whole new level? Because if so, I want to tell you about my sponsor, Mountain Made. Their puff line of smokable flour is unreal. They meticulously source each strain from select partner farms to ensure only the highest quality product in the marketplace. When it comes to the entourage effect, nothing tops strain-specific flour. It delivers the full range of all the amazing effects of CBD. I can tell you because I use it myself. With 0.7 grams of premium full flour inside of each pre-roll, you'll be ready to maximize your personal summit whenever you smoke. So check out Mountain Made today and grab a puff. They're federally compliant with less than 0.3% THC, which means they ship nationwide. All right, I'm going to grab a puff and let's get back to the episode. We've come to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Choose Your Circle podcast. I hope you enjoyed both my dad and Michelle. You know, I, I'm lucky. We'll say this first about, about my dad. I'm really lucky to have a great role model. You know, you've heard me tell the story before about how he is the reason that I first got up and told my story on stage, that he was the one that convinced me that being afraid of something it was usually not a good reason not to do it. And and you sort of hear that guy in, in this interview. He's he's a very thoughtful and very intelligent person. And, um, you know, I'm lucky to, to have such a great role model. With Michelle, I mentioned I was going to talk a little more about the actual interview. So I reached out to Michelle because I found her story fascinating. I found her on a, a website that we're both on for podcast guests. and And she is a really really great profile on there, right? And so I reached out and uh, I said, you know, your story is incredible. I'd love to interview you. Of course, she was immediately down to do so. So we start chatting and I did not do a good job before the interview and early in the interview. And I think you hear that of helping her feel comfortable and helping her open up. And we finally hit that point at around minute 14, a minute 15. I did a better job as your host. I did a, a better job as the interviewer of helping her feel comfortable and, op- and, 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 and capable of opening up. And that's where the interview really changes. And she tells her story so beautifully. And you hear me change. I'm just like, wow, that was incredible. So I was nervous early on while doing that interview because it didn't seem like we were clicking. And again, that's my fault. That's not Michelle's fault at all. But but we finally got there, and, and I think it really was a, a, a wonderful chat thanks to that. So she is doing such cool work. I definitely recommend to everybody that you reach out if that's something you're interested in. And definitely follow her. I, I do on all social media. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Dad, for, for coming on this week. Well, we are back to me reading the cards. I know, so sad. I loved having my parents read them. That was a lot of fun. But... You know, thanks to Blurt, as always. Uh, thank you, Blurt. We are using the 54 Reasons Why You Matter pack this week, and you can hear me opening them now. All right, 54 Reasons Why You Matter. Oh, wow, this is a great... <laughs> this is a great card. The teensiest acts of kindness that you've sprinkled have a bigger positive effect than you can ever know. Man, I love that card. That's wonderful. So, I preach... Struggling to get the cards away. I haven't done this in a while. I preach gratitude a lot. It's something I, I 
talk about whenever I speak. Uh, I get interviewed on it, uh, which is nice. I really appreciate that because it's one of my favorite topics. I, I, I coach it when I, when I do one-on-one sessions or, or consulting groups. Um, you know, it, it's a thing I truly believe in. And I have the, the two acts of kindness built into my week on Monday where I thank somebody on LinkedIn, uh, Monday affirmation, and on Friday where I do Friday coffee on Jay where I give somebody $5 on Venmo and say, thank you for being you. Please buy a cup of coffee on me. These are moments that I look forward to because it, it, it means a lot to me to tell the people in my life who have had a great impact or who I appreciate that they mean that to me. And people you know, have reached out weeks afterwards and said, you know, that really meant a lot to me. I was struggling that week when I got Friday coffee on Jay, and it really picked me up to know that, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it, and it means a lot. You have no idea how your acts of kindness are going to reverberate. And, and I talk about this a lot, too. I gave a speech earlier this year specifically on the idea of waves and, and meaning, you know, essentially you can have a small act of kindness, a little ripple. And the next thing you know, this is a giant wave that's really influencing something, right? That is how change happens. It's not one big action. It's a little action followed by a slightly bigger action followed by a slightly bigger action. And eventually this becomes that big action. So really, you know, the small acts of kindness are so huge. Um, thank you to Blurt for that card. That was wonderful. All right, we're going to finish with your good egg this week. I, I mentioned this a lot on the intro, so I won't go too deep into it, but the, the, the murder in Philadelphia, and it is that, right? I mean, at this point, if you don't want to call it that, I, I just don't want to tell you. The murder by the police of another black man, specifically this time a man who was going through an issue of mental health, um, it's really sticking with me because he had the diagnosis of bipolar disorder because they murdered him in front of his mother. Whatever your political beliefs, <laughs> Walter's mother had to watch as her son, who was struggling with his mental health, was murdered in front of her eyes. That shit transcends politics. That shit transcends all of your beliefs. Put yourselves in the shoes of, her, of his family for a second. They called our government looking for help and then watched as our government murdered him. I just can't even, I, I can't even imagine, you know, from being the person on the other side of that, right? I, I mentioned it again. My friends called 911 and I was arrested while going through an overdose. I wasn't booked, but I ended up in handcuffs in the backseat of a cop car, having my head slammed into the side of his car as the guy roughly threw me in the backseat. That shit should not happen. Here is your good egg. I want you to take a moment and read an article that challenges your beliefs on policing. Search for defund the police in, in a real source, not a political source. This is not a Democrat or Republican issue. This is not whatever. Go to the, the Marshall Project, which is a wonderful resource on criminal justice. Go to you know whatever. doesn't matter as long as it's a real source, not a political source, not a police source, by the way. Please don't read something that the police put out. Read something with real journalism behind it about what defund the police means, about what people are trying to accomplish with changing police. Reform ain't going to do it. We need to know that as a people, we need to know that we are past reform. This is a problem, a real problem. Go read something. Make sure it's by an independent source and just sit with it. That's all. That's all you got to do this week. But most importantly, 
be vulnerable, be empathetic, spread your love, and choose your struggle. My brother and his wife had their first child recently, and it was a pretty big deal. It was, you know, the first grandchild from my parents. But unfortunately for me, I'm just not that big of a baby guy. Like, I'm super awkward when I hold him. You know, my brother put his his son in my lap, and my nephew looked up at me with this expression like, you have no idea what you're doing, do you? There's pictures, they're pretty hilarious. But lucky for me, thanks to my podcast sponsor, Kia Babies, I knew exactly where to go to get the perfect baby gift. I got my nephew this adorable little towel. It's got these bear ears on it. And now my entire family gets to enjoy these really cute pictures of my nephew. He's all smiley and he's got bear ears. I mean, that's pretty adorable, right? So next time you need a perfect baby gift or just something for your own kid, go check out Kia Babies. You can find a link in my show notes or on my podcast website. And when you check out, tell them to choose your struggle sent you.